0: Hey everyone, we are back with a special episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. As we look back at the best moments of 2019, uh, we have some guest interviews and some talk about some of the matches that happened this calendar year. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast.
1: We are underway in the postseason, the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. It's a one-two, Godoy, he's found a great ball. Ennevoldsen, plenty of time, he smashes it off and
2: doubles the visitor's lead,
1: Thomas Ennevoldsen. Now Segber sprinting forward on
3: the counterattack. Little handsy there, crosses it. Pineda, the
1: extra pass. Seton finishes. It rolls down to his left and parrying aside. Well taken care of by the Orange County
3: keeper. We'll leave it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal! And it's gone in! An equalizer and a winner in second half stoppage time
4: for Orange County off the left boot of Aiden Quinn.
0: This is the Orange and Black SoccerCast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter, at OCSC underscore SoccerCast and on Facebook at Orange and Black SoccerCast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black SoccerCast presented by Roughneck Scarves. We are the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I am with you each and every episode as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. Uh, Unfortunately, there's no Dylan or Alan here tonight because this is just a special edition of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Uh, We are presenting the best moments of 2019 all in one wrap-up to end the year. Uh, Remember, we will be back with new episodes in January to discuss all the latest news going on with Orange County Soccer Club, USL, and soccer in general. But for now, enjoy these greatest hits of 2019. Well, I know people didn't come on to this to listen to what it takes or what it's like to be an educator in the California school systems. Uh, They've come to hear what we have to say about orange County soccer club and what happened not only this past weekend, but what's coming up. So let's get into the thick of things. Uh, If you missed it, if you didn't get a chance to check out the match, orange County did play this past weekend. They hosted new Mexico United, one of the new teams in the league uh, and maybe didn't get off to the greatest start, but it, was a strong finish from orange County to walk away with at least a point in this match. It's one of those matches I talked about, I think in our season preview, Dylan, that new Mexico and El Paso, which is coming up next week, sort of scared me because they're such new teams. Although some of these players are pretty uh, familiar in the league and the coaches are pretty familiar in the league. It's always difficult to see what the teams are going to put out there, especially, you know, when they've only played a couple or in New Mexico's case at the time we played them three matches. Dylan, you were at the match. What are your initial thoughts just you know about the whole the match in general and, and how it all played out, and then we'll get into more details uh, in a little bit.
5: Um, I took some notes during the game because I'm a responsible person. This is something that you learn when you're a student, I think, or at least a good student. So let me look at those really <laughs> quickly. Uh, let me start with the refereeing was the worst I've ever seen. Um, and I'm kind of amazed that it burst a blood vessel in my eye from um, – treating the refs with dignity and respect as I always do. Um, yeah.
0: well, and we, and we will get into that. I promise those of you listening, we will get uh, into our discussion. <laughs> we have to bring back that, uh, that, you know, ref suck segment that we did a lot of last year. We'll definitely get to get into this. Uh, and we'll, we'll take a couple different views from it. Continue on though, Dylan.
5: Um, we basically didn't play the first half. We had like two scoring chances that entire half. Um, it wasn't ideal the first 45 minutes and neither of the teams could really get a rhythm, but especially orange County couldn't get a rhythm with just random calls and then play being held up. It was really confusing and, and really amateur. Um, and I kind of thought that was going to be it for us, but second half came out and, uh, it was a totally different team, especially once Trotter came on. Um, don't know what happened there. I mean, the dude doesn't run quickly. Um, but, wow. He's got that natural talent. <laughs> like, the, the British boys have that natural talent that is a step above everyone else. Um, and he was calm. And, he, I mean, he's obviously pretty big. So, he was able to shake off some challenges. And we, we looked better. And also, Cervantes looked good at the back. I mean, kid had been 17 for two or three days. Pro debut.
0: What a better, What? Oh, how else can you celebrate your 17th birthday than, you know, making a professional debut?
5: I've uh, had no birthdays. <laughs>
0: that are <or> that good. <laughs> um, and, and just, I guess, to totally recap, at least the first half of the match, which again, we'll get into more details. Uh, I wasn't at the match. I actually had plans with my wife and some friends. So we were out. Uh, at a, a life. Yes, a life. I was uh, in Costa Mesa at a dueling piano bar. Um, I had texted Dylan because I was, you know, I'm one of those people, even if I'm out with my wife, she knows I'm going to be checking my phone throughout the night to see the score. Uh, at halftime, I, I, you know, orange County's down two nil. I send a text out to Dylan. What's going on with the game. Uh, I won't repeat the answer completely that Dylan gave me. Uh, but basically just basically said we suck. Uh, and I guess anyone that was watching the match at halftime would have probably agreed with you, Dylan on that, uh, at that point, uh, Cameron, I know you were at the the match as well. Would you agree with that text that I received from Dylan? There was a word I omitted from there. I'm not gonna say it on our podcast, but uh, is would you agree with Dylan's assessment of the first half?
2: Well, it was basically an inverse of last game where we started well in the first half against uh, Tulsa, but then we just petered off in the second half. Well, this game we just we last game was clearly on their minds. And I think they were just, they, they, they couldn't string pass together. There was nothing going in the final third. It was all New Mexico, Darwin Jones, like a lost man up top, trying to hold the line, clearly not his position. And it, yeah, it just, it took him a while to get out of the gates. And I think those key substitutions, especially in Liam Trotter and Sebastian Dupre helped Orange County move the ball around better. And getting that goal getting that goal in the 59th minute helped spark the comeback of course, especially being early on in the second half and it just it felt like it felt um, yeah it, it, if you if you weren't expecting some sort of comeback, it felt like just, this was just gonna be a terrible day at the office <laughs> and they hadn't, they hadn't gotten last night on last game's loss out of their head. I think Cloutier definitely, there's, there's a lot more po- there's a lot more positives he can take out and a lot more positives that we can take out because I would rather end strong than end terrible so there's there's just a lot there's, I mean in terms of offensively there's a lot to talk about I mean still orange county don't look they don't look nearly half as good when Seaton isn't on the pitch like they like they look there's they they just operate better with a front man and Darwin Jones is not that person to do it. And definitely,
0: definitely agree with you on that. I, it's one of the it's one of the scary things with this club. You know, you have seen out here now for two matches in a row, and the team is still struggling a little bit to figure out what to do up there in his in his absence.
2: Yeah, and but but it just it feels like they need to get him back sooner rather than later.
0: Uh, definitely, I, I think I don't think you'll find anyone that's. Agree with you on that statement. That's probably the statement of the year, right there, uh, Cameron. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan, to you, because if you're like me, you you didn't get to watch it at the stadium. You were watching on the ESPN Plus stream. Uh, you probably heard when the uh, the the announcing team on the game sort of made the comment: three matches for Orange County, three separate or three different back lines. Um, probably part of the struggles that we're seeing with this team is we haven't yet found that steady. I know we're only three matches in, but we haven't found this steady consistent lineup where you're only making one or two changes in there. I mean, this match was a complete overhaul from what we saw the previous match. Uh, do you think that had anything to play with uh, the first half uh, struggles for Orange County?
2: No, I mean,
3: it's it's like watching Jekyll and Hyde. It's the craziest thing in the world. It's like two, like literally two different teams. I wrote this in the power rankings. It's like one half, they're like one of the worst teams. The second half, I would put them, you know, top 10 in the league the way they were playing the second half. And I don't know if that's like New Mexico getting tired and Orange County kind of just playing with the ball a little bit more. Um, I mean, you have to give tip your hat to Santi Moore. His form right now is out of this world. That guy just scores. It's like the first one, you're like, uh. And then the second one goes in, you're like, All right, well, you know, Dylan already warned me, hey, don't watch the first half. <laughs> but I did anyway, I tortured myself. Um, yeah, I, I really hope that that save in the second half sparked something in them that, hey, we have a goalie who's going to make some saves. We have a back line that's, you know, confident and can score. Um, I think I think uh, El Paso is going to give a good chance to kind of pull the wagons together, if you will, uh, and kind of just put something together. I think El Paso, they're not a bad team. But they're definitely a team that they should beat. And I think that might gain give them some confidence and finally get a W on the board.
0: So let's let's talk about this, um, you know, the, the the switch between the first and the second half. I think Cameron sort of uh, got it right there on the nail there with uh, the Liam Trotter sub. Uh, made a big difference for this team. I know watching the broadcast on ESPN+, Plus, the announcer sort of questioned the move, bringing in Trotter for uh, Koji Hashimoto. Uh, You know, it's one of those things when once he got into the match, uh, you could see just this different level of composure out there compared to almost any player that was on the pitch. I think compared to everyone on the pitch, Trotter was on this other level of of, you know, just steady, calm, uh, doing what you need to do in the match. Uh, I I think him coming from playing in England in the, you know, the the more challenging leagues in England, the, the, the lower leagues in England that is a different atmosphere than what you have here. And he's had a solid career out there. He comes out here. I think that move is the move of the match for orange County. Uh, It totally changed the complexion of the match. Oh, and by the way, just listening again with, this is what the announcers were saying on the, on the broadcast is, this seems to be something that New Mexico is already starting to be known for in the, in, in the early season is getting an early lead and then just sort of maybe sitting on it uh, instead of, maybe going for the jugular and just trying to take the team out when you have that two-goal lead, go for that last goal to just sort of knock them out. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on all of that?
5: Yeah, I think that's exactly what um, New Mexico's issue has been. Drawing is that they they build up a lead, and then rather than keep playing and and go for the jugular, as you said, they sit back and park the bus and try and play Mourinho ball. and uh,
1: The worst kind of ball there is.
5: Yes, and they're not good enough defensively to do it so they keep squandering these leads, which I guess is awesome if you're not a fan of New Mexico, because it means your team has a good chance, especially if they've got a lot of attacking firepower and they're comfortable on the ball. Um, Probably not great if you are a New Mexico fan, Um, but for neutrals and and for Orange County fans, and I guess Phoenix fans as well, it's, it's awesome.
6: Hi, this is Kevin Coleman Ford for Orange County Soccer Club and you are listening to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast Best Moments of 2019.
0: Now let's introduce our special guest that uh, uh, when I, we saw what happened this weekend, I reached out to the club, said we got to get this guy on on this next episode. They they greatly worked it out for us. So uh, if you haven't figured out who I'm going to introduce now, you know who it is. Uh, I want to welcome on, for the first time to our podcast, uh, Kevin Coleman. Kevin, welcome to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast.
6: Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for having me.
0: No, we're glad you could uh, take a little bit of time to come uh, speak with us and let uh, the fans know uh, a little bit about what's going on. And I, I got to start off with the goal at this last match, the as we can call it, the miracle goal uh, in Tulsa. Uh, I don't know if anyone's actually created some sort of fancy name for it. Uh, so <laughs> for anyone that didn't watch the match, it was basically a goal in extra time, but pretty much extra time had already ran out from what we're looking on the timer. Tulsa fails on three attempts uh, from the corner And can you just sort of, from your view, explain how that whole final few seconds of the play developed there?
6: Uh, Yes. So it was off the corner kick. Um, It cleared out. And um, I think they crossed it again. And Frederick, uh, Frederick do, you know, punch out the box. And Mike Seaton was in a perfect, perfect position in the center of the field. Uh, Mike Orozco was on the halfway line. um, um, And then he just held his run. Mike Seaton played him a, a beautiful ball down the field, and then I just recognized, you know, this is, like, the last last chance we have. So I just took off from, from our end of the box down the field and Mike Roscoe uh, slipped it across the box and an easy top in to win us the game.
0: <laughs> and, and that's where, like, a lot of this becomes very interesting when you look at this whole play of events. Because you had Michael Seaton closer to the penalty box. You had Michael Orozco, who's the center back, up there basically just waiting in the middle the field. I think probably a plan, you know, if you can get one last-ditch effort, let's have him up there for that. And then you yeah. basically just sprint from the defensive 18-yard box all the way across the field with in about, like, 10 seconds or something like that. And I don't think yeah. any other Tulsa players really – made that run with you, which was
6: no, I guess pretty shocking. No. So
0: were you surprised that you were like that wide open and that no other Tulsa player was running down the field with you?
6: Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty open. Um, and then I just they didn't track me. So, you know, I just capitalized on the opportunity and, and got my chance and scored. So it's pretty pretty happy about that.
0: No, I could I could imagine that. And then uh what was going on in your mind when uh Orozco made that pass to you? Were were you uh Telling yourself, you know, this better go in, or, or don't uh, don't shank it or anything like that, or was it just nice uh,
6: calm? Uh, no, it pretty calm, just cool. You know, all I had to do was just slot it, and you know, didn't try to do anything crazy. Just kept it simple, so that's pretty calm.
0: I think uh, I, I I'm gonna have to show your video to I, I coach. You uh, nine players i'm gonna have to show them your that play there because i think the hardest thing i've had So far trying to coach them is when you have that like wide open of a goal a nice easy pass All you have to do is tap it. You don't have to try and boot it for power You did it the perfect right. way just just aim it right to the goal There's no one there blocking yeah. you it, which was pretty amazing there and i'm glad that uh that worked out pretty well um So this uh, I believe this is your first professional goal uh, as a professional player i know that i think you've scored as a youth player but is this your first professional goal
6: yes this is my first uh, professional goal i've scored
0: perfect did, they, did did anyone like grab that soccer ball and and hide it for you so you could bring it home or is is that soccer <laughs> ball still in, in tulsa
6: no it's still in tulsa it's still in tulsa
0: we'll need to maybe sign get a petition going see if we can get them to to retrieve that ball for you cuz again first goal you got to have some sort of memory from that i guess you you can have that video there um, yeah,
6: yeah, that
0: that definitely be nice. <laughs> Look, like, I, I want to open it up to to Dylan or Alan. I, if any of you have any questions about that play or that match, before we maybe just sort of learn a little bit about more Kevin uh, uh, Kevin's history as a soccer player.
5: Okay. How? I mean, oh my god! <laughs>
0: How do you? I, I can't
5: even imagine the length of the pitch, basically, and then being calm enough to to just slot it home like side foot it that. That was amazing. I still am like, every time I watch that video, I get so excited. I get so giddy. I don't even have a question. I'm honestly just,
0: just so thrilled. You're just praising him. You're just, you're just yeah, praising really. Evan for that play right there. We are. Not I, 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 I agree. It was amazing that you made that sprint all the way across the field. But I I mean, you did what you, you're probably, you've been trained to, to do your whole life yeah. in that position. Yeah. So, Alan, did you yeah. have anything uh, regarding that match? Or?
3: Uh, no, I think you uh, summed it up.
0: <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about, Kevin, the, the, the history of your, your soccer career. You mentioned before we went live that you started playing as a six-year-old out in Virginia. Um, yeah. Was that something that uh, you were, like, really excited to do? Was it one of those situations where parents just getting their kids into sports to keep them active? Um, whose decision was it to get you started in soccer?
6: Um, honestly, it's just me in the family. Um, both of my parents are from Ghana. And, you know, growing up there, my dad played soccer. I think it's pretty good. Um, So when we we both moved over uh, to Virginia, you know, just growing up, my dad always had to talk about my feet, a plant. Um, And then, yeah, it just started from there.
0: Do you you remember your, like, first soccer coach, or uh, is there a soccer coach in your youth that you remember that was, like, a big influence for you?
6: Yes. um, Dave Spofford, um, my first first coach uh, in Haymarket, Virginia. I played for Yes, Uh That stands for Virginia Soccer Association, and uh, that's the club I grew up playing with, um, from like U eight to like U fifteen. So he, yeah, he a go ahead.
0: No, no, go for it. Keep going.
6: Oh yeah, I was just saying. Yeah, he, he was my first, my first coach that I had growing up.
0: Perfect. And, um, it's pretty amazing. You know, you can remember, I, I, I know it wasn't too long ago, but you can remember, uh, that, that first influence there in soccer. Uh, I know your, your soccer growth took you outside of the States. Uh, when did you, when did you move out? I believe it was to Germany, uh, to, to start training and developing out there.
6: Um, I want to say, uh, beginning of, uh, 2016, like in January, uh, I moved out to Germany and, uh, signed for FC Kaiserslautern. Uh, so they, they played in the second league at that time, a professional team. Um, I played for the under-19s for about a year and a half uh, out in Kaiserslautern, Germany. Um, and then after a year and a half uh, there, I, I left. ended up leaving that club, um, came back home for about a year, um, was, was considering going back, to, uh, going to college, actually, at that time. Um, but then I had another offer in Germany in the fourth division, uh, from a team called Spiel Spielvereinigung Bayreuth, and they're located like in south southeast Germany. And uh, I played there last season uh, in the summer, and then um, played all the way till the, uh, winter, and then ended up coming to Orange County uh, in January.
0: So, how was your experience out in Germany? Was it was there any kind of culture shock? Uh, did you head out there knowing any? any parts of the language or was it something that you went out there and you basically just had to learn as you went?
6: Um, yeah, I just had to learn as, as I went. Um, you know, the language <laughs> was definitely a, a big factor. Uh, it was pretty hard. Um, but, you know, my teammates, you know, they, they, they helped me out a lot. So, you know, I just learned the basics um, when I was out there. I didn't really take any lessons because I wasn't put into like a, a school or anything. Cause I was, I actually left uh, Virginia sophomore year in high school, and so when I moved over there, I just uh, I finished high school through an online online program, and didn't didn't go to school out in Germany. Just did my, uh, my high school online, like I said. But um, yeah, that's just how everything started.
0: Do you, do you did you learn any German phrases while you're out there? Can you share something in German?
6: do uh, you know what a uh, bratwurst? Bratwurst.
0: I have no it's idea. Like, I, mean, uh, I see Alan laughing at her. I don't know like, if uh, <laughs> It's like a
6: it's like a famous German sausage. Uh, they usually have it like the games. Uh, so if you go to like a Bundesliga game, they serve sort of these uh, sausages in this like um, uh, like warm bun, and you just put like ketchup or mayonnaise or whatever you want on it. It's pretty famous there. Pretty good sausages. So.
0: Perfect. And then, um, how did the whole move to Orange County come about? Uh, did, uh, was it something maybe you were reaching out to the club or did the club sort of reach out to you? How did that all happen? How did that magic happen?
6: Um, my agent had a, have a good relationship with Oliver with. So, uh, when I was, uh, I was in Germany actually earlier this year, when they reached out to me, Orange County through my agent, um, I was out there trialing with a few clubs and then, um, my agent's like, Hey, uh, Orange County is interested in you. Um, they want you to come on a, on a trial, um. And I had just finished up uh, trialing with uh, VFB Strip second team. Um, so uh, I flew back to Virginia for two days, and then came out here, had like a week trial, and um, ended up signing for Orange County. So that's how everything came about.
0: Perfect. And when you sort of signed, you were, you know, signed you're one of the younger players probably on the roster, but I think over the last month or so, you've sort of grown now you're like more in the middle age group with a lot of these young players joining the team and coming on. Uh, What has your experience been like with some of the younger players that have joined? I know fans haven't really got to see much of them, uh, but what is, what is it that you can share with those younger players from your experiences uh, growing up in, in soccer in Germany and now here back in the United States?
6: Um, I'd just say, uh, you know, just keep working. Um, you know, definitely just, um, yeah just continue to keep working and you know a lot of these players have uh have you know talent you know to play at the highest level so just keep on pushing is what, is what i usually tell them
0: perfect uh and i'm gonna open it again just to dylan and alan because i've been hogging all the questions here if they have any other questions they want to ask before we let you get on with your evening uh kevin
5: okay yeah you've been so kind to just sit here and interrogate them for like 15 minutes now <laughs> I'm sure you're not paid enough for this I'm sure Kevin um to to ask you something entirely different um which some of our fans will undoubtedly want to know what is your favorite vegetable my
6: favorite vegetable um I'd say cucumbers
5: okay is there a specific way you like those prepared or just eating them straight uh in salad?
6: just chop them just chopped in
5: salad yeah okay cucumbers all right that concludes this uh my interrogation. <laughs> yeah. That's how serious we are here.
3: <laughs> so I, I'm curious. I know you, there was a part of the season, the middle of the season where you came on, you played really well and then uh, got a little bit of an injury bug. How frustrating is it for like, as a professional player, like wanting to play again, but also not wanting to rush back to make sure that you're a hundred percent. Like, what no. is that like? <laughs>
6: Yeah, it's very frustrating. You know, I, I was uh, had a good momentum going. I think that was just after uh, the uh, Colorado switchbacks and Austin Bolt game, and then I got a little nick. Um, but, you know, yeah, it's very frustrating, obviously, to get injured and not be able to help your team. But, um, you know, I just had to focus on getting healthy again. Um, you know, once I got back to 100%, you know, I missed a couple of games here and there, but uh, I feel like I'm getting that, that rhythm back. So I feel pretty good now. Um, just just trying to stay away from from injuries. So,
3: and how good was it to get like back out there, especially playing such a big part of the win this past week? Like, was that
6: like? Oh, it's a great feeling um, to just be able to help the team any way you can. Either coming on, you know, as a sub or starting eleven, uh, just just to help your team is always a good feeling to get that win. So, feel so pretty good.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Ray, host of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Want to thank everyone for your continued support as we continue to bring you the latest Orange County Soccer Club news each and every week. You're listening to the best of 2019. Um, Let's move on, then. Let's move on to our next award. we have two more awards. We're going to cover this episode. Uh, the next word I'm going to hand it off to Dylan for the announcement of this next award. The next award is fan of the year. Dylan, take it away.
5: All right. Well, um, I actually got a vote in this. So, and I asked a couple <laughs> people that I thought would have voted for me, and they all said they didn't vote for me. So I don't know which one of you voted for me, but you're, you're crazy. Um, all right. So this uh, this year's I think final nominees were uh, Andy King, Haggis, Logan, Chris Riley, as always, Blaine Jenks. Um, there were some others that were nominated, including Alan. Um, Sharon, I hope I'm saying that right. The CLC as a group. Uh, Someone named Len, Marcus. Mike Seaton's mom, Peyton. Phil Backey, who's from El Paso, I believe. Ray, who missed a lot of matches. Russell, uh, whom I don't know. And USL San Diego, also now known as the San Diego Loyal. That's correct. I did not vote for that in in, in all <laughs> transparency. I really like to imagine not, that it was, that was not me. <laughs> that addicted to USL person on Twitter who was doing it in hopes that we would flame you for voting for USL San Diego, um, but of all of those nominees, and I think there was probably some more, Andy King won this year's uh, Fan of the Year, which I think is extremely fair, um, well deserved. You know, he was he was on the drum for almost all oh, the entire season. Uh, he was there at the beginning. Um, he was there at, in Fresno. Reno. Yeah, and. uh you know, he's a big fan of spiking (laughs) truly into the uh, cement because they're garbage and he hates having (laughs) to drink them. Um, he, you know, he's always bringing people, whether it's his his family, um, or some work friends or some other friends, um, always posting on social media about the club compiling a massive amount of statistics. Um, I reference them constantly. I feel like 90% of our conversations are just about something he's compiled. Um, but truly loves the team and truly loves the sport, and it's I think it's well deserved, and that's no disrespect to to anyone else um, except for Ray um and Alan, who definitely don't don't deserve it for missing some games um, but yeah, you know, have a night, Andy. Uh,
0: are you not gonna I'm, read I'm sure he's, he's probably books? listening
5: right now, so we'll give him a uh... oh he did he did you did fix the quote thing okay I did, I did. He he gave us a nice uh, long one. <clears throat> That's what she did. Um, to my orange and black family. Three years ago, I sent an email to some guy named Blaine after seeing a YouTube video about lower division soccer supporters groups. I couldn't imagine after three seasons I'd be fan of the year. Everything I do is for county and line coalition, and I just try to not screw up too much. <laughs> From drumming to printing song lists, traveling to away games, promoting CLC online, and getting fans and supporters fired up about county. That said, I can never get anything done if it wasn't for my orange and black family. I don't use that label lightly as I feel like you're all my brothers and sisters. I can't name everyone, but definitely special thanks to Blaine, Dylan, Ray, Alan, Jen, the Mats, and Tom. You've all accepted me from the beginning like I'd been there the whole time, from my first watch party in 2017 to the final home game of a challenging 2019. I look forward to many more seasons drumming in section nine until we find someone better, that is. Thanks again for the recognition. Only love wins, four county. Yeah, that's that's Andy. We're like the old saps, I think, of the group. We like to get nice and emotional. Someone else wax pull up at him before I get like, sad because it's gonna be a few months before I see him.
3: Alan, go. No, I, I, of of the CLC outside of you know a uh, Dylan and uh, he was for sure the most vocal. Uh, he engaged me in. Uh, outside of the soccer, because uh, we share an interest in music and band and such. Um, but just talking to him, you can tell that this was such, uh, such a, a big part of you know, what brought him joy. And seeing uh, Andy uh, interact with the team and at some of the the meetups or some of the the pregame stuff that they started doing at the end of the season, it was always such a pleasure to, to talk with him. Uh, And he was always looking to bring new people in and make them feel welcome. And those are the types of things that really attracted me to Orange County to begin with was like the immediate uh, welcoming environment that Orange County creates. Um, and that's through their supporters and folks like Andy that, you know, they make you feel like you're part of something right away and they're welcome. They, they just, um, they reach out to you and they talk to you and, um, I can't say enough nice things about Andy. Um, so uh, we would be here for another 45 minutes, I think, if I said everything <laughs> I wanted to say about about Andy. But he's he's su- such a vocal part, and and not in the normal like bantery things. Uh, just really promoting positivity and uh, promoting uh, that family atmosphere, and really giving it his all for the for the team and for the for the CLC. And that kind of attitude is definitely infectious. Um, it makes supporter culture uh, a more positive place, a place where people feel like they can belong and be part of a community. Because uh, some supporter culture is is pretty negative, and it is pretty uh, the banter is fun, but sometimes it can get a little bit, you know, negative and mean. Um, and I never saw that at all from Andy, and it was really refreshing to see his approach to supporter culture and so you know and and, and that realm on the social medias. Uh, so I have a lot of respect for Andy and what he was able to uh, portray his love for the team, uh, in a very positive and welcoming manner.
0: Yeah. And, and I agree with, with the two gentlemen there, Andy's just been amazing. He's, you know, open to welcoming anyone that's willing to chant along with him and Caroline coalition out there in section nine. Uh, you know, he jokingly, we, we jokingly I say stupid things or I mess up, uh, common phrases or whatnot. And he jokingly harasses me on it, but it's all out of fun, out of love. He's been a great supporter of us as the podcast um, ever since it was just me and, and Dylan talking, sort of not knowing what we were doing yet. I know we still don't quite know what we're doing, but we've slowly gotten a little bit better at this. Uh, And, and he's been one of those that, you know, since day one, a supporter of not just orange County soccer club, but our podcast uh, and helping, you know, support us in what we do because, we, we like to sort of joke. We're like the one media entity that covers this team, uh, you know. Fool, you know. We, we're not, the, you know, just covering when it's Chivas or um, um what is it, uh, Club Tijuana playing against Orange County. We're actually there, you know, when it's a preseason game against the backups for Toronto at UC Irvine, trying to cover the game for you. So, um, again, props to Andy. Props to all the other nominees that were part of this uh i know i reached out to some of you letting you know hey you're one of the finalists uh give me a uh something you'd like to say if you are the winner um i know blame got back to us and basically just wanted to give a shout out to his wife who puts up with his crazy stuff uh with with his quote a shout out to my wife who puts up with my crazy fandom and a nod to the rest of the camera line who are just as looney tunes as i am so um, Orange County has some awesome fans out there in Caroline Coalition. If you've never sat with them, never been around them, um, come out to a match, come see what it's like out there, come hang out with those guys because they are definitely big soccer fans, and they're welcoming to anyone that wants to cheer just as wild and crazy as them. What up, everyone? The Zanipasosomal midfielder
7: for Orange County SC, just want to thank the fans for all the support that you've shown. Here's the Orange and Black Soccer Cast best moments of 2019.
0: Uh, But now we got a match to talk about. We've got to talk about that very first match was that Reno match. Not only was it a big match just for the club, but it was also a big match because there was a huge bet going on between the two uh, podcasts, ours and 1868 Weekly. Uh, Dylan, your first impressions uh, on this match, and then we'll dig a little bit deeper.
5: Um, I I still get a little bit giddy when I think about how that game went. Um, Scoring first was huge, and then, adding to that lead, and and truly outplaying a team um, for the first time in a while where we looked unstoppable. And then beyond that, normally we look like we kind of shut off the first 10 minutes in the second half, and I would say Reno's on top of us in that section, but rather than falter to that pressure, they really stepped up. Oh, man, it was a good game. Oh, and then, you know, Danny scores his first goal, and I get to keep my hair, and they have to change (laughs) the logo.
0: Oh, it was just an amazing thing. And and to, to set the picture, I was up in Boise. This is a day game. Luckily, we weren't, we didn't have anything planned at this time. We were just sort of hanging out at the grandparents' house. So I actually had an opportunity to watch it. But lo and behold, like that morning, my uh, the grandparents' internet goes out, the, the Wi-Fi in the house, and I'm struggling all morning to figure out how do we get it back on. I'm calling their internet provider. Uh, they're supposed to send someone out. No one ever shows up. Uh, and, then, and then, yeah, so I had to go and I was just like sort of searching uh, my phone's internet connection in this house was very, very spotty. So I was searching for any way. I Once I found a spot in my house where my phone was connecting, I was not moving from that spot. So I literally sat at the like island in the kitchen uh, on a stool for, what, an hour and a half, two hours watching this match, enjoying it. Uh, it. It was interesting watching the match because the alternate view from the opposite side of the field, which isn't typically seen. Uh, in the OC matches at Championship Soccer Stadium. I also, it was interesting because there was a lot of empty seats, but upon hearing from people like you, Dylan, uh, and other people at the match, it was an extremely hot uh, afternoon in Irvine, California, which I think was the same thing that happened last year. So I don't know how the club doesn't realize maybe a midday match in the middle of summer in July is not a good idea. I don't think it's really up to them. (laughs) I guess not. But ultimately, in the end, it was awesome. And because it was, uh, you know, like sort of what the game of the week or whatever it was Wednesday night soccer for USL. It was on ESPN three, which I know you don't have to have an ESPN plus subscription for it. And a lot more people were actually watching the match. Uh, lo and behold, you know, Reno's been doing good this year. They were sitting up towards the top of the table in the West. And it if you watch this match and this was the first thing you watched, you would not think that Reno was one of the top teams in the West. It definitely looked like orange County was the better team throughout the match. They did concede a goal. Was it via penalty? Um, in the second half, I believe Dylan.
5: Yeah, it was yeah. a very questionable penalty, yes, but it was. go on.
0: I think I even tweeted, I was manning the podcast Twitter. can. I sort of said something about like, you know, uh, defenders trailing the offensive player, the offensive player stops on a dime the defender sort of bumps into him, but it wasn't like a shove. It was just sort of the guy stops right in front of me. You sort of knock into him. It's congested in there. Questionable call there. Lo and behold, you know, they get a goal up there in Reno. But I think at that point, even it seemed like Orange County was going to be able to hold on. I know one of our listeners, Andy, was tweeting like at the 86th minute, like, why am I still nervous at this point? But luckily Danny Chrysostomo, Chrysostomo, Chrysostomo. uh, put the icing in the cake for his first goal as a professional player, which was also pretty amazing. Uh, Darwin Jones, just a beast out there, uh, what he scored two of the goals and assisted on another, I believe was his stat line. Definitely all around the best game of the season for Orange County.
5: I don't think you could argue that in any way. Um, there were definitely questions going in. And I think there was a lot of pressure on the team to show up for this match. And I mean, I'll be entirely honest. I didn't expect the team to win. I was hoping for a draw. Um, you're playing the team that's in good form, but then like, the, I don't know the chaos of the midday game comes up and Reno was just flat uh, the whole game. They really didn't have anything to offer. And orange County really just took it in stride and went after it the entire game didn't shut off at any point, kept getting after it. I mean, conceded an unlucky penalty, and rather than imploding and and feeling sorry for themselves, they really, I mean, really solidified how they were playing, kept playing dangerously, and made it count. I mean, we outshot them by 17 shots. (laughs) Um, Shots on target, we outshot them by eight shots. Yeah, it's
0: difficult for a team to... Difficult for a team to have any shot of winning when that type of stuff is happening. So um, definitely a really, really cool thing uh, on that. Um, What else do you have to say about this match?
5: I think that was, I mean, sure. We're not in the playoff places right now, but I think that was one of the biggest games that we have this season. Um, That should give the players and the fans some confidence that we can take on some of the best sides in the league and come away with a result. Um, It's a matter of the, players showing up to do it Um, but I think it's it's huge not only for the players but for the staff as well I think um, Braden Cloutier was a little bit more relaxed after the match Um, even just interviewing some of the players and the staff and even just as a fan after the match I felt so much more relaxed even though we we have a ways to go I think it's 12 more matches right now Um, still not in the playoff spots but I think after this match you have to realize it is entirely possible that we make it into the playoffs uh, especially in the chaos that's the western conference right now i mean we're three points out of uh fifth place <laughs> so pretty amazing it's insane <laughs> basically is what i'm getting at and i think um you know if the team has a couple performances like that we're right up there towards the top of the table we, we might actually be hosting a playoff match and then i will have to eat my words because
0: that would be so unbelievable.
5: A month and a half ago, I was like, yeah, it's not happening. And a month ago, I was, no, it's not happening. So,
0: <laughs> now, here we, we, we got to talk about this because, again, there was a there were two bets on the line for this. And I believe when we recorded the last episode on that Sunday morning, I don't think either you or I were that confident heading into this match. Uh, we were both sort of dreading it. We knew the whole haircut thing was going on. And then John, I think, on the air, he, we didn't talk about it. He just sort of threw it out there on our live broadcast and our recording of our podcast said, Hey, by the way, do you want to throw the logo into the bet too? And I, it sort of threw me or caught me off guard there. Uh, I reluctantly said yes. And now I'm excited we did that because uh, at least for a week, they had probably a way more beautiful logo than they normally do.
5: Still looks good. I think they have one more, one more day, but it still looks beautiful.
0: So for those of you on the live stream watching us on uh, what's called, YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, Periscope, whatever you call it, I've actually you know, showed their SoundCloud page, the episode that I'm talking about, they call it episode 39, this logo is bad, but look at those beautiful, that, that, that orange and white just pop off on that black background there, which makes the logo just that much better. I, I, I'm sure many of you will agree, an amazing, an amazing color scheme for a logo. And, and I'm going to say they should probably keep that, that logo, you know, it just looks so much better.
5: It really does. They're big fans of the San Francisco Giants, too. So, so it
0: works out perfectly. Why not? Yeah. Maybe they okay.
5: can convince um, <laughs> the club to change their colors, too.
0: Sort of copy us. Yeah, um, we're just
5: criminally underused in the <laughs> soccer room. Only the best teams use it.
0: Now, we got to also talk about the other half of the bet. And uh, I'm going to apologize at front, Dylan, because I'm not going to be super nice to you. I've already sort of called it out there on uh, social media. Uh, medium Media. That you went way too soft on Brad and his hair. You let him just sort of get a nice shortcut, uh, short, really short on the sides, but still left some hair up top. Why did, you, tight. why did you do that, Dylan? Why would you let him off with that kind of haircut? Why not give him the full, the full buzz?
5: We established back in March that we weren't going to be monsters about this, and that that is what happens when you aren't a monster is we said high and tights were okay and so that's what he wanted because he didn't think he could pull off the shaved head he didn't think he could even pull off the high and tight and he looked fine I don't know what his girlfriend thought but honestly who cares um because
0: um you know here's what I have to say in this situation Dylan I could care less about what he feels he can do with his hair he made the bet knowing that he would potentially have to lose his hair. I think he's even talked about, like, if it would have been the opposite, he would have made you go full on um, head shaved. Uh, I, I can't find any quote for that anywhere. But I, I want to say I heard that somewhere or read it somewhere. Um, even So I'm
7: a better person than Brad.
5: That's all we're learning is that I'm a nice, empathetic person who feels for his loss.
0: Yeah, but I enjoyed
5: it. I had a stupid smile on my face the entire time he was getting his head cut. Or his head I cut. was
0: ready for the full-on shave, though. Here's um what our friends at 1868 Weekly had to say about the niceness of Dylan. And I won, just kind of lost some hair. He
1: know? he won because of the good graces of uh Dylan from Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We – Matt and I would have made sure that uh, this good sir was buzzed. And so would Ray. Ray, I, I think it's a younger person thing, Matt. You know, uh, like, uh, uh, what do they call them? Are you generation Z, Brad, or are you falling into I'm millennial? I'm a millennial. Okay, I'm a millennial. So, He's old enough. Um, Dylan, might so be maybe generation it's the Z. tail end of millennial and and Generation Z, where it's just mercy. There's there's mercy. See, we uh, we older folk uh, don't have such a thing. I I, yeah I would have you're on my podcast Brad and I would have made sure that that was buzz almost expletive all over the place right there.
0: So that was you know John and and Brad talking briefly about that.
1: Looking on Twitter, DJ
0: Captain Chaos, who is another Reno supporter, uh, his tweet and I'm going to quote it is: "I should have went to the haircut place as I would have laid down the law and ensure Brad had a buzz cut." Uh, Dylan, I, I think you're just sort of Went too easy on him.
5: Um, okay, well, they also live miles <laughs> away from, so they can wake him up in the middle of the night or something, break into his house <laughs> and shave his head while he sleeps. I don't I don't really know.
0: All right, so calling out John, calling out DJ Captain Chaos or any other Reno fan for me, for, for Ray on the Orange and Black Soccer cast, go break into Brad's house with your clippers, buzz the rest of that hair off so that we can see it. You got to send a photo proof. You can send it to our Twitter account uh, for proof that this happened and, you know, It'll be awesome. Sorry. Sorry, Brad, if you're listening, that I, I'm putting all this pressure on people to come shave your head. Hopefully don't hurt Brad. Just hurt his hair. Take it off.
5: I do want to say that <laughs> the owner of Orange County Soccer Club uh, did appreciate what was happening. So yeah, we, we got approval from up top. Is that not enough?
0: The Orange and Black Soccer cast will be back with all new episodes this January. For now, enjoy the best of 2019. Let's uh, first start uh, off with the game this past weekend. As Orange County returned home after a disappointing uh, performance in Texas, they return home to Championship Soccer Stadium and have what's probably one of their most dominant matches of the season as they win against Oklahoma City Energy FC, 2-0. Dylan, uh, at the stadium, how were were things going? What was the energy like? And just what was your impressions of this match?
5: I think things went pretty well. Um, I think the energy level is pretty high. I think it was just under 3,500 people at the stadium. Um, So it looks like the numbers are kind of climbing back up there. Team's been exciting. People are rallying behind them at the end of the year. Um, Beyond that, uh, Oklahoma never had any sort of chance um, on, on, on at the goal They took no shots the entire game um, Frederick Du did not register any anything he he had nothing to do so that was a that was a really good start for us um, Leonardo had a really good game he hasn't played in what, a couple of months now um, and and he came in and he did a good job uh, no no major issues there um, and then of course our, our attack was on it um, Harry Forrester scored an amazing, amazing goal. Um, And then Joe Amico uh, picked up the second, his first of his professional career after 56 appearances for the club. So that was a wonderful time. Um, I told you before, but uh, I almost cried when he scored that. And every time I've rewatched it since, I almost cry. So uh, I'm seriously just so happy uh, for the team to get back to winning ways, but especially for Joe. Oh, and also... With Leonardo's yellow card in the 74th minute of this match, Orange County officially has 69 yellow cards on the season.
0: Just a random stat to throw out there, right, Dylan?
5: Yes. (laughs) Along with since uh, Frederick Dew recorded zero saves this past weekend, he has 69 saves
0: on the season. (laughs) Um, Alan, uh, a second set of eyes that was at the stadium watching this match, uh, do you have a similar idea or thought uh, that Dylan shared or – what did you see maybe differently from Dylan or was it all the same?
3: Um, I thought for the most part, they looked pretty sharp. There was a couple of miscommunication in the back, like uh, late in the game, Frederick do had to like sprint to the halfway line. Like maybe he was inspired by Joe Amico getting forward and looking like a striker. Maybe he felt like he wanted to get in on the game since he wasn't really doing a whole lot uh, in the back. Um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty different team that showed up this week versus last week. Um, They looked like they played a lot better. I looked a lot more confident going forward. Um, While Seton and DJ did not get on the score sheet, uh, there were a couple of chances for both of them that just a header from Seton that was saved, um, a couple of shots from DJ that were just wide. Um, But, yeah, that Forrester goal, I, I pulled it up on ESPN Plus in the press box while I was following the game just to watch that goal a few times. So I saw it the first time. I was like, I don't know how he did what he did because um, it looked like the defense had him pinned in, takes two touches around. And then when he shot it, it looked kind of awkward from my angle. And then I was like, is he trying to cross? Is he going to the back post? And then, no, he was curling it around and in. Like Both goals were uh, great. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that the team felt very positive after the win. I uh, had a tough time in RGV. Uh, but they look just as good as they w- look in that six win, uh, six game win streak, and which just gives us more confidence moving forward against a couple tough, te- couple tough teams. But I was pretty impressed with uh, the way they played. It was good to see Kevin Alston back out there as well. Um, yeah, it was. It felt really good. I walked away from Championship Soccer Stadium like, kind of like floating a little bit. I was. I was. I was pretty happy.
0: And so I know like. Harry Forrester's joking there on that uh, short clip we played at the beginning of the episode uh, about his soccer boots, maybe being left on the plane or whatnot, Uh, but who knows, maybe the club reached out to what the Royal post. I don't know if that's, I think that's what they call it in England and had his correct soccer boots shipped out to California. Uh, Yeah. It was a beautiful goal. You don't see that too often this season from him, but I remember when uh, Dylan, uh, when we, first announced the signing on our podcast or talked about on our podcast uh, and we are talking with uh I, I forget the gentleman's name but he was uh from was it uh, AFC Wimbledon right uh, a, a podcast that covers that team we were playing some highlights of Harry Forrester and some of those goals you saw in those highlight reels is what we saw in this match this weekend just a very beautiful beautiful uh, goal and what about the celebration? I, I don't know if either of you were there in section nine with Caroline coalition, but I, I thought it was pretty cool that he went right up to the, the supporters group uh, to basically celebrate right in front of them. Uh, unfortunately, we don't see that as often as I would love to see from the players when we score goals at home. But I, I thought that was a pretty uh, nice gesture by him. I, I I I'm pretty certain he was purposely heading in that direction to celebrate right there. Uh, what were your thoughts on that, Dylan?
5: Um. Yeah, I was, I was, in the county line position, uh, I think, for the entire match. And just, yeah, no, I don't think anyone's come over after they've scored this season. Um, and and that he came over, and, you know, like an, an English player, um, you know, not one of the guys that's been around for a bit, um, not one of the guys that's had much of success scoring goals. Um, and and he comes over and, and celebrates in front of us. And, you know, Blaine jumps down and starts banging on the advertising board uh, in front of the section. And... Then the camera angle cuts away really quickly on ESPN, um, but it was it was really great. Um, so now we've got a chant for him. It was just one of those games where uh, you know he really didn't put a foot wrong uh, anywhere, and that's the, the kind of beauty that we've expected, right? We've been waiting for, and and here it is. And maybe it's this is the and scoring.
0: And maybe this is the benefit of Coach Bray including sticking with him the full season, knowing that this is the. Type of performance you can get out of him Uh, The fact that you stick with him all season Although he didn't have the greatest start to his Career here in Orange County, you stick with him You stick with him, you stick with him And now he's hitting his stride at the right time uh, Of any part of the season This is the time you want your players hitting a stride And he's definitely one of those players Over We talked about it recently Over the last couple months, he's really figuring out What he's doing out there Um, Alan, what were your thoughts on that celebration Were you surprised to see him uh, Purposefully look for the supporters group to celebrate with them?
3: Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a surprise. Uh, Forbes had seemed to me like just kind of aware of everything that was going on um, and kind of understood how the the game works and how the fan fan interaction works. Um, He was willing to chat with me if he's had a good game. Um, Especially when we were down to nine men, I think against RGV last time um, he was, you know, playing really, really well, getting in a bunch of block shots, um, possibly could have gotten the yellow cards in that game and didn't. Um, He just strikes me as someone who kind of understands those things um, and is willing to uh, engage in those, the fan interactions um, and just kind of a a way that strikes me that he's doing it because he knows it's what, what, not just like going through the motions, but he really seems like he understands that that's what's important. Obviously, he's kind of had a frustrating season, so it makes sense that he's kind of played with this kind of frustrated edge to him, uh, but you, I just saw that weight lift off of him when I was asking him about it, and he just looked like just a big sigh of relief, and he, got, he smiled right before he started talking, and he's like, yeah, it's just a bit of a relief, and I think if he can get dialed in, Aiden Quinn look really, really good. Um, DJ and Seton are always dangerous. Uh, Wolfgang uh, starting to insert himself in in the run of play. Everyone just seems to be clicking in a way that feels great, and it just sh- shows when someone like Harry Forrester can get on the score sheet.
0: Yeah, and uh, as you guys are both talking there, we do have the highlights courtesy of USL Championship Productions on our live stream. So for those of you that are listening to our podcast, check us out on Tuesdays. Uh, every Tuesday, 8.30 p.m. Pacific time, we go live on YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope. So you can watch us also on Twitter. Uh, so that was on there. And you could see, just like Dylan was saying, uh, on that celebration, just before the camera cuts off, uh, Counterline Coalition founder in jumping down onto the uh, – sidelines of the pitch there and uh, banging on the, the scoreboard or the the ads right there. Uh, I don't think I've seen that out of him, that much passion out of him all season uh, like that. I know he's always out there uh, giving his all out in their fans, but I've never seen him like jump down like that and just start pounding and being excited about that. I don't know if that has to do with it's Harry Forrester that got the goal and Harry Forrester comes and celebrates with the team. Uh, and that took Blaine to a whole nother level. I don't know if either of you talk, uh, spoke with Blaine about what was going on in his head when that happened uh, uh dylan if you didn't you can sort of maybe just sort of uh take us through that what do you think was going on there
5: um i think it was a really nice birthday gift from orange county to blaine um arguably probably the biggest fan uh to get a nice victory for him the day before his birthday that's, that's way, my bur- guess
0: happy birthday blaine happy,
5: happy belated birthday yeah <laughs> so um I just imagine it was that and a player actually coming over. That's the the sort of thing I watched it happen. Um, This my second ever Orange County game. uh, Orange County went through into the playoffs in eighth place um, on goal difference, taking down the number one team in Colorado back in 2016. And Blaine, back in the days at UCI, um, like vaulted himself down onto the track to celebrate with the players. And that was the first time that they'd ever come over. And celebrated with the fans so you know it. it's one of those things they come over and you you, you get in there and you, it touches in your smiles and you're banging on stuff why not right
0: definitely uh we gotta we gotta move on and talk about the other goal of the night uh dylan you mentioned it when you were spoken the the first professional goal for mr joe amico Uh, who I know is another one of those players on this this roster that is a fan favorite. Uh, My wife has spoken to me. That's probably her favorite player on the team uh, because he's been one of those players that tries to show as much love as he can to the fans when he gets the opportunity to. uh, And uh, I know he's one of the ones that is throughout the season, uh, come and acknowledge the fans at the end of matches or whatnot. Uh, Alan, I'll go to you first on this. Uh, What are your thoughts? I mean, what do you have to say about this Joe Miko goal? Uh, is uh, I, I was surprised when I saw he's the one that scored one of the goals on the evening. What were your thoughts?
3: Yeah. The way he made that run from the win, like I, you could have put him on the front in the front three. Uh, it was just a really smart run into space. Um, Mike puts a ball in. It takes a slight deflection. Otherwise he would have gotten an assist on it. And Amico doesn't panic. He's very calm. He collects the ball. And he just kind of slots it into the right side like it was no big deal. Like he's been doing this his entire career. Uh, it was very impressive. Again, the same thing. I watched that back a few times. Just amazed at just kind of that soccer sense to get into the box. Know that you have that space to run into, not panic, and just calmly put the ball into the back of the net. Um, and then just the see the look of his teammates' faces celebrating with him. Uh, you can tell that. He not only is a fan favorite, but is well liked and respected on the team as well. Uh, just giant smile. Everyone was super happy for him. Uh, those are the goals that uh, make you make you feel good as as just a soccer fan in general. To see someone that excited and that happy, first career goal. Um, Richard Chaplow on his way out was uh, hoping he wouldn't interview him, so hoping maybe it wouldn't go to his head. Uh, but again, you see a guy who's been working really hard all season. Uh, to, to finally get one in and especially a strike like that was, um, it was so much fun to watch.
0: And did you, did you get a chance to speak with him after the match, Alan?
3: I didn't, but Dylan had a chance. I, to try I st- stole Joe.
5: From him.
0: <laughs> well, then I'm going to go to you, Dylan. Uh, you, can you share with us uh, what uh, Joe Miko had to, sh- uh, had to say after the match about that goal?
5: Yeah. Um, I don't think Chaple has to worry about uh, it going to his head or anything. Um, I mean, we know we know the kind of player that Joe is. Um, he's super humble, super super down to earth, um, just constantly um, really thankful for everyone around him. Uh, and he was no different after scoring that goal. Um, he just mentioned it, it was really nice to score it, um, and that more than that, he was just so happy that the team uh, got the win, um, got to clinch, and that they're they're trending in the right direction again. Um, without without too much trouble to try and take some pressure off before the, the last three games of the season. Um, so, you know, he, he had his moment, he enjoyed it, but he was definitely focused on the future um, in the next few weeks, which was remarkably respectable in a way. Um, I'd be freaking out for sure. Still, uh, I'd be shaking and bouncing off the walls and he was really calm and collected and just said it was nice, but you know the bigger thing was the was the team. Look, we first, got the we got first, the, the mariachi yeah, band over here. We've
0: officially been mariachi bombed. We've been mariachi we bombed.
5: Been bombed. I'm so excited. All for right, this. all right. Look at the Cinco de Mayo shirt. If that's not on the stream, that, that is, is that is awesome. Thing. You know, come stand
0: right here, sir. We got to show this off. There, this is an awesome uh, uh new uh, design that I think made available. I think today you can get it. It's the Cinco de Mayo themed shirt. So if you're at the stadium, look for it. If not, go online, look and see if you can find it. Thank you, sir. Listen to that. All right, all right. Hey, so ladies, and we got to give it up for that. That's awesome. That's Thank beautiful. you, gentlemen, for coming out here. Share the love with everyone else out here at the stadium. Mariachi Del Toro. There's the the card right there. So if anyone's interested in bringing them on, let me. We're gonna yeah, get you can that see for their birthday there. later
5: this year.
7: Hi, this is Aiden Quinn, midfielder for Orange County Soccer Club, and you're listening to Orange and Black Soccer Cast:
0: Best Moments of 2019 do want to welcome on a guest from Orange County Soccer Club. He is the midfielder for your playoff-bound Orange County Soccer Club, and that's Aiden Quinn. Aiden, welcome to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How are things going? Hey, guys. going great. I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. We appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your evening to come speak with us. Uh, the fans are excited to hear what you have to say uh, as this team is heading into the playoffs. Uh, really quick, can you just sort of give us a quick rundown on – uh, the experience this season with this team. I know last season it was a, a, a an amazing run to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, this season, maybe not off to the best start, but it seems like Orange County's got things clicking here as we head into the playoffs. Can you just give us your quick thoughts on how the season went for the team?
7: Yeah, I think um, after last year, we, we lost some key guys. So uh, we brought in some replacements, but we didn't quite click as well or as quickly as we liked in the beginning. Um, I think once we figured out the right formation and the guy's strengths and weaknesses, I think then you started to see how good we could be and we started to put together a good running game and um that's what that's how we ended up in fifth. We had a little chance of getting fourth but fifth isn't bad and then we're gonna see how we can do in playoffs.
0: Well, definitely, being in fifth, you're avoiding that play-in uh, match that's happening. For those of you listening live, this is happening tomorrow. Uh, if you're listening to the recording, probably sometime later on today. the the play on match, uh, play-in match for the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth seed in each conference. Something new that the league tried this year uh, was that sort of a goal. When you sort of knew where you were going to fall, somewhere in that you know f- between fourth and I think seventh or eighth, uh, is that sort of a goal that the team had is to avoid that play-in match, Aiden.
7: Yeah, we definitely didn't want to play the playing match uh, just because you'd be playing Saturday for the season finale, then Wednesday, and then if you won again, then you'd play Saturday, which those are always really tough. Um, we obviously wanted to get a home game, but that didn't work out. Um, Monarchs took care of business, so they deserved their home game, and now we have to travel there in a tough environment, so it'll be a good game.
0: Yeah, I think that was uh, the, the Real Monarchs. I believe they were playing Sacramento. I think all the Orange County fans were uh, focused on what was going on with that match because they wanted to see if there was going to be any possibility for another home match at championship soccer stadium. Uh, we were talking before we went live that uh, you mentioned that the, the nice size of the crowd there for the home finale was a uh, played a big part or, or at least helped energize the stadium and the team a little bit there for the final match there. Uh, what did, what did the, you guys think or did you speak with any of your teammates or what were your guys' thoughts on just sort of the energy coming from the crowd out there?
7: Yeah, it was awesome. Um, we didn't really know what to expect with the crowds, because as you guys know, sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. Um, they said that we were going to have a decent crowd for that game, but uh, I think they, after the game, they said it was the second biggest attendance, play after that Phoenix game last year in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, it was great. Um, it obviously got the guys going. I think we played well, so hopefully more of those fans keep coming out maybe next year. But um, I thought they did their part, and that helped us on the field.
0: And I don't want to hog any of the questions. I don't know if my co host Dylan or Alan, have any questions for you, Aiden. I'm going to open it up to one of those two if they have something that they'd like to ask. I see Dylan, maybe.
5: Yeah, I see Alan still me us, so I'll jump in. Um, Aiden, obviously, stats are a bit down personally for you this year um, in terms of uh, assists and, and goals from what was really a, a massive career for you. Um, but you've played a much different role. Um, how hard was it to adjust? over the course of a 34-game season to playing a little bit deeper and, and filling in for some weird yeah, spots.
7: Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, last year I got to go a little higher. Um, I think naturally I'm more of a eight. Um, I had that that leniency last year with our players. Um, this year we didn't really have anyone to sit in that sixth spot as a defensive mid. So um, I sat there a little bit, got on the ball a little more, and uh, it, that's that was one reason why we started to win games, I think. Um, we figure out the formation and what works best for the guys that we have this year. And I'll gladly take a hit for my stats as long as the team's winning. So no problem there. Uh, That makes,
5: I mean, perfect sense. Um, Is there a a game over over the course of this year that you would like to go back and and have a redo at? Uh, A
7: redo? I mean, there's a few. I know uh, that Tulsa game in the beginning of the year, we threw it away after being up think it was 2 nil, and then end up giving away the game um and then i think the only game we felt that we actually got outplayed for the whole match was uh the phoenix game in phoenix where they uh they beat us 3-0 so i think if we had another real rematch against them there that would be nice because we didn't think that we uh played our best and we felt like they actually outplayed us quite easily fair enough
5: um and i have one last question um a little less serious than the last one. What? What's your favorite vegetable?
7: Uh, my favorite vegetable, huh? Um, well, my fiance is actually a vegetarian and vegan, so we eat a lot of vegetables. I would say it's either broccoli or asparagus.
0: So, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have uh, maybe a certain way you like? one of those two prepared? You, I mean, I prefer, for asparagus, I prefer like a roasted uh, in the oven with some olive oil and some sea salt on there. Is there any specific way you prefer those?
7: Yeah, in the, uh, in the oven with some uh, salt, maybe a little pepper, garlic salt. Yeah, that's how I like it. Maybe a little bit burnt too, not
0: too much. A little bit of that uh, char uh, char flavor on there is the, is the way to do those things. <laughs> Alan, Here's I see I, Alan, I see you got your mic unmuted. Do you have a question for Aiden?
3: Yeah, he kind of hit on it a little bit, dropping further back. Um, but Christian Duke coming back, Forrester kind of dropping from a wing position to more midfield kind of halfway through the season. What was that like kind of going through those transitions, of bringing Christian back and kind of transitioning in having Forrester drop back midfield?
7: Yeah, obviously bringing uh, Christian back, that helped a huge amount. Um, we know how good he was. So it was a bummer that he got hurt in preseason. Um and then just having him back and have pulling Harry back, we kinda just got back to the basics of just trying to outwork teams and then from there then we can start trying to play and play beautiful soccer. But first we had to outwork teams so we kinda got the guys that are the fittest in the middle and we just started running around a little bit more and trying to outwork teams, outplay teams, outfight teams and I think that's what started the little run and and we got the soccer going as well, so it's been good.
3: And then, how much freedom do you guys, the three of you, get when you're playing? Is there a lot of communication about rotations, or is it kind of you have a specific role when you get out there?
7: Uh, yeah, we get we get freedom. Um, obviously, we have our roles, but um, if one of if I go, then usually Christian or Harry they'll realize and they can sit. Um, but usually, I like to just stay in there, make it easy, um, so they can go attack, they can help out on the wings, they can help Darwin and Mike and so most most of the time they're more attacking. If I see a chance that I can go, I'll try but uh, I like to just sit back there with uh, Michael Roscoe and then Walker and just kind of hold it down so we don't get countered.
3: And then for Real Monarchy, without giving away too many things because our spies might be listening, but is there anything <laughs> that Orange County fans can be looking for as far as of what you're trying to do versus what they're trying to do like do they have tendencies that you're going to try and stop
7: uh i mean if we watched the last game um i think they only had one shot on goal um and they won 2-0 because obviously i scored the own goal um and we had a bunch of good chances in the beginning in the first half so i think we have some confidence going there obviously if we finish some chances in the game's different um we know that they're good in set pieces. Their center backs are big, and they attack the ball well in set pieces, so we have to watch out for that. But I think if we play the way we know we can play, and if they play their best soccer, then I think it'll be a great matchup, and it'll come down to who finishes their chances.
0: Awesome. Thanks. And then I just want to ask, you because you did mention on that uh, last match against Real Monarchs that you know, they got the one goal and then you basically gifted them another goal. What goes through uh, a player like, you know, your mind or just any player's mind when that happens is, is that something where um, you try and look, play it back in your head and figure out what I could have done differently? Or do you just sort of look at it as that's what happens in the game? It's going to happen every so often. Um, Share with our listeners how that plays out.
7: Yeah, it sucks for sure. Um, You obviously don't want to score against yourself, but yeah, looking back, I mean, uh, we were down a man because Walker had a bloody nose, I think it was. So I dropped back in, and I don't think we all – we were all supposed to drop kind of one position because we were down a man. I don't think we all kind of did that as a team, and we've discussed that. So if that ever happens, then I think we'll be have better communication. But also, then uh, they crossed the ball. I had a couple – I think I had one guy on my left, one guy coming behind me. I mean, I don't know if they would have scored it, but uh, looking – but after it happens, then you just got to get on with the game. You got to try to focus on the next play because you can't really do anything about it. And you just hope you can affect the game in a positive way.
0: No, I, and, and I mean, we all understand you have to make a play on that ball in that situation, especially when you see uh, a defender over your or sorry, uh, an offensive player over your shoulder like that with a potential to score a goal. Just the ball sometimes doesn't bounce the right way. So we totally get that. Um, but just, you know, always interesting to figure out what's going on. Uh, in a player's head in that situation. Uh, I I do want to let you go here, but I do want to ask you one last question really quick. Uh, It's a question that we've asked uh, your assistant coach there on the team, uh, Richard Chapo, in the past. Um, If if you got thrown into a situation where you have to go and you basically said, you have to sing a karaoke song right now, we're out, you have to sing a song. What song would you pick and and sort of why would you sing that song? Karaoke, huh? (laughs) Let's
7: see. I would pick. I mean, when I was at Philly, when I got drafted there, they made me sing "What Does the Fox What Does the Fox Do" or whatever. So I might do that one again, bring back old memories.
0: I, um, I, I, I think it's "What Does the Fox Say." Is that that that? I yeah, that was, yeah. thing? <laughs> I, I try to block that out of my memories because it
7: was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> but no, I, I might do that or um, like an Oasis "Wonderwall" song or something. You,
5: Let's you want hope to, they you, keep giving you contracts, so you never have to go through an initiation <laughs> ever again. Let's just finish out. Do you want to? Do you want to give hard us?
0: A, you want to give us a taste of what is the fox say for our listeners? Uh, for your first time ever on the podcast,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't I have to it's I, never gonna, I he's do want
7: to. I do want to call out Alan on his tweets today and saying that uh, he doesn't think we're going to get the win this weekend. Now, so. oh, oh. I don't know about that.
0: hey, I, we. I love that. I love. I think uh, Dylan and I are both loving hearing that coming out of your mouth, uh, there, uh, Aiden, because we were sort of giving him a hard time about about that.
3: Well, I mean, Real Monarch fans aren't going to bring the noise, so I have to have some kind of post boy <laughs> material, right? Like
7: something to motivate. <laughs> Yep. Yep. I, I appreciate it. No, it's a, it's
0: all good. Uh, we'll hopefully prove you wrong, but
7: I know you're, you'll be rooting for us.
0: Do you have a, Aiden, do you have a, you want to give our listeners a, a, a quick prediction for the match or is that something that you don't want to do? No, no, I don't want to do that.
7: I just hopefully, <laughs> um, I think the guys are going to come out strong. I think we're going to have a good week of training and we get there and hopefully, um, we get a good result.
0: We, we, you know, we got faith in you. We're hoping uh, for a great result there and we want to see, uh, Ultimately, we want to see you guys get a chance against Phoenix in the next round there in Phoenix to try and, uh, uh, you know, take care of what didn't happen the last time you guys were out there in Phoenix. Cause that would be an amazing story in this, the team that knocked out orange County last season, we go to their home and knock them out. That'd be such a, a great uh, storyline for this. So um, I want to say thank you, Aiden for joining us, taking some time out this evening to join us on our podcast. Uh, we know you got uh, a lot of stuff going on preparation for the match and everything. So uh, thank you uh, for coming on and, and, letting our fans hear a little bit about what's uh, what's been going on with you.
7: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it guys and I appreciate the support all year.
0: Well, that's it, folks. That's going to wrap up our best of 2019 episode. We couldn't get each and every best moment of 2019 in here because we didn't want to have a three-hour podcast, but we tried to pick some of the best moments that uh, we enjoyed throughout this calendar year for you to listen. Remember, we will be back with all new episodes in January, just about a month from now, or a little under a month from now. So look for that. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, Instagram. You can follow me personally on Twitter at DJ Ray Samora. Uh, you can also follow our Twitter account for the podcast at OCSC underscore soccer cast. Remember to check out our website for any news that we have to share with you. That's OCSC uh, for Dylan and Alan who aren't here this evening. I am Ray with the orange and black soccer cast and we are out.
4: Oh, Most heaven, Orange County, Saddleback Mountain, Santa Ana. Orange County, south the far away. Driving down that road, I get a feeling that we're much better than we were yesterday, yesterday. County roads take me home to the place I belong. So... Uh...